Good morning to each one and greetings in Jesus' name. So, as was mentioned, the election is Tuesday. A very important day for this country and even the world. And so when people talk about the election, what thoughts come to your mind? I've read and heard that this election is one of the most important elections ever. Y'all hear that? Every vote counts. Have you heard that? Well, guess what? On Tuesday morning, I plan to vote. But it's not going to be like what I've heard. Because our voting as Christian should be what our brother shared a little bit earlier. Our voting should be by prayer, by supplication, by respect. Doing a little research in 2016, over 250 million people voted. I didn't look at the, uh, for which party, which. And that really is beside the point. There are about 4 million Anabaptist people worldwide. About 4 million. There are approximately 578, 575, 578,000 Anabaptist people in the United States. And so out of that population of 330 million, actually it's 331 as of right now, but out of the population of about 330 million, 250 million voted. But if you would look at the percentage of Anabaptist voting out of total number of voters, it would be less than a quarter of 1%. Every vote counts. But I want us to consider that prayers to a God that is sovereign, that is in control of everything, far outweigh any physical vote that we can ever do. I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 17. This is God calling out people. God calling out Abram. In Genesis chapter 17, starting at verse 1, it says, And when Abram was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply, thy, multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shalt thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee. And catch this. And kings shall come out of thee. 
and I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in the generations for an everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. God called Abram out as a father of many nations. And He made this covenant with Abraham, this new man, this new name, father of many nations. And He said, this promise is what I have for you and the nations that come from within you. And it also said that many kings shall come out of thee. And we look at the history of the children of Israel, how they followed God and fell away and followed God and fell away. And these servants and prophets, their job was to be the mediator, to lead the people. And we know of Samuel leading the people as a prophet. Turn with me, if you will, then to 1 Samuel chapter 8. The people were getting tired. They were not following. And Samuel's boys were moving away from what Samuel was himself as a prophet. And in 1 Samuel 8 verse 4 it says, Then all of the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways, Now make us a king to judge us like all nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people in all that they say unto thee. And I want you to listen to this. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me that I should reign over them. Think about that. God who had done so many powerful and wonderful things for the children of Israel all those years, and He had had engaged those prophets to preach and to lead, and yet they were never quite satisfied because they were looking across the fence at these other nations that that were led by kings. And they wanted to be like them. And so I guess my question is, how much do we as Christian people want to be like the world? Sobering. Skipping down to verse 10. It says, And Samuel told all the words of the Lord, words of the Lord unto the people that ask of him a king. And he explained to them in these next coming verses what this king was going to require of those people. And he said, verse 11, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen. And some shall run before his chariots. This is what the king would require of these children, of these boys of these sons of the children of Israel. 
And he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties, and will set them to set them to ear his ground, and to reap his harvest, and to make his instruments of war, and instruments of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be confectionaries, and to be cooks, and to be bakers. And he will take your fields, and your vineyards, and your olive yards, even the best of them, and give them to his servants. And he will take a tenth the tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and to his servants. And he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to work. And he will take the tenth of your sheep and ye shall be his servants. And ye shall cry out in that day because of your, because of your king which ye have chosen you. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refuse to obey the voice of Samuel. And they say, nay, but we will have a king over us. They were dead set on being like all the other nations around them. They had rejected God as their God and sole sovereign leader. And it says that, we also may be like all nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Look how many battles God had won for them over all of that time since they were called out, a special people, anointed. And Samuel heard all the words of the people. And he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go ye every man into his city. And they made a king. And we know that story. That Saul was called out from the tribe of Benjamin. He stood shoulders head and shoulders above others. And he was little in his own sight when he first began that calling of a king. But things changed. But I want us to think today, think now, should we as Christians think that we are any different if we would participate in the actual turning of the pushing of the ballot should we think that we are any different by voting or campaigning or even endorsing someone for a seat in a local or national government? In the Old Testament, as Jonathan read earlier, God used wicked people and nations to punish or judge His people because of their unbelief. And we see that time and time again in the Old Testament where they fell away from God and repented and came back. They were punished, they were banished, and then they were led back out of captivity. Should we expect any special treatment for the church today? Can God use wicked or ungodly people or nations today to guide or return the church back to Him, to faithfulness? And so the question I ask is, 
Can we physically, by going to the ballot box, can we physically participate in an ungodly political system that may at some time punish or use force to cause the Christian church to cease or even to compromise or go underground? To compromise the commands of God to go ye therefore and preach the gospel. Can we participate in an election process that nominates people, and I want you to think about this, people that have historically been dishonest or unfaithful. People that use the system or other people for their own personal selfish gain. And again, I ask the question, how do you know who God wants as the United States president in 2020 and counting? How do you know? If God can use the wicked to bring about His purposes for the good of His people, for the building of His kingdom, is it okay for us to vote for someone who may be an instrument to bring punishment or judgment on ourselves? How do we know what God wants for this country? And that's why I say, as we look at Scripture, as we look at the truth of God's Word, as we look at the church being called out, strangers and pilgrims walking through this land for a certain period of time, Can we vote for someone who may order ourselves or our brother to war? Can we participate in government election where officials often endorse merciless killing of unborn babies? They endorse women's right to choose. They endorse advancement of medicine through stem cell research? Is it okay to offer our opinion? And I know that we often do, and I am there as well. And I sometimes need to step back. Is it okay to offer our opinion on who we think would perform the duties of the office of president the best? Because it lines up with my viewpoint or my pocketbook? How do we know what God has in store for the church today and tomorrow? Well, we know. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God tells us that in the end times, perilous times will come. We know that. But we also know that God has given us a promise that as we are faithful he will provide a way to, for us to escape temptation. It doesn't mean that we're going to be free from suffering. It doesn't mean that we're going to be free from persecution. It doesn't mean that we're going to be free to live in a land of freedom that we have enjoyed for so many years. But it means that God is sovereign. And He has the best intent in mind for each of us. The New Testament, 
John chapter 18. Jesus, the Son of God, Emmanuel, who came to this earth, lived and walked, preached and taught. It says in verse 33 of John chapter 18, Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again, and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, saying, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell thee? Of me. And Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered unto the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. And I think Jesus was saying here that if his kingdom were of this world, then he and his disciples would use the power of physical force and the power of an almighty God to stop the unlawful process that was going on in condemning him. And he would be rescued from the Jews. But didn't, Jesus didn't take that stand. Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. Are we Jesus' disciples? I want you to think about that. Do we deserve law and justice in our lives as we live here? John chapter 17, if you turn back just a little bit. In verse 11, in Jesus' prayer, He says, And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through, not, through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou, those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. And now I come to thee. And these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word and the world hated them. And I want you to take note of that. It says, I have given them thy word and you as a believer, as a part of the body of Christ are one of these that God has given you his word. And what does it say in that verse, that one phrase? And the world hath hated them. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Jesus was saying in this verse 15, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. You know as well as I do that we walked into this building physically, mentally, and we understand what is going on around us. We understand that if you pinch your hand or arm or somewhere on your body, you feel a certain amount of pain. And you can stop that pain by quitting pinching. 
We are physically in this world. And we benefit from a lot of the freedoms that we have been blessed with, that we have been granted. But it says here in these verses, The world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Are you Jesus' disciple? If you are Jesus' disciple, prepare. Because the world is not going to be friendly with you, with what you believe, what you espouse. And they're not going to be friendly with your viewpoint of not participating in the voting process of the United States or even in the world in some of the other countries that vote as well. Jesus came and raised the bar. In Matthew chapter 5, we know this as the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. It says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him also the other. And if any man will sue thee at law, and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh of thee. And from him that would borrow thee, turn thou not away. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? Verse 45. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. And as we look at those verses... I ask the question, how is that possible? How do we love when we are abused? How do we give when we are taken advantage of? How do we bless and pray for people that hurt us? We need to recognize that God is sovereign. He hears our prayers just like He heard the prayers of those children in bondage in Egypt. And He delivered them. He physically brought them out of that bondage. And yet, along that journey, they didn't recognize God as their King, their Sovereign God, their Ruler. He cares about our eternal well-being. For each one of us here today, for all of His people all over the world. God cares for, his, for your and our eternal well-being. And even those that are suffering persecution and beating and death and many other things that the Christian church is facing the world over, God sees and hears and cares. Does that mean that He's going to deliver us physically? No, not necessarily. But He will deliver us eternally, spiritually, 
by us being faithful. Romans 12, it says, Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Verse 17 of Romans 12, Recompense no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. And if it be possible, live as much as lieth in you. I'm sorry. If, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And in verse 19, I want us to just kind of captivate that. Because we tend to want to take up for ourselves, to be defended, or to have someone defend us. But it says in verse 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself. It's not your place, your position. Avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thy enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And so, again, is it possible to participate in an earthly kingdom, in an earthly election? Is it possible to participate when we are strangers and pilgrims passing through, when we are of a kingdom that is not of this world. So how should we respond to politics, to earthly governments as Christians? Like our brother shared, with respect. We are a chosen generation. And yet, we are passing through this land and we get caught up in the affairs of this world. And I would dare say that many, many people in this congregation here this morning, and even those listening on the phone, have paid somewhat attention to the election upcoming. Does it bring fear to your heart? It should actually bring excitement. Not at who will be elected, but at that God's plan is being fulfilled moment by moment. And He knows the end result of this election. He knows the end result of you personally. And He wants each one of us personally to choose Christ and to be faithful. We get caught up in the affairs of this world, and yet our job as Christians is to fulfill the Great Commission. To live in obedience to the Word of God. To give, to love, to pray, and to bless the governing authorities and even those that abuse us. In Daniel chapter 2, closing here, it says, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His. And He changeth the times and the seasons. Think about. We went to bed last night, 35 degrees. And this morning, it was 10 degrees warmer. And yet we see fall coming. We see the changing of the seasons. And God, in His sovereignty, makes it happen. 
He changeth the times and the seasons. He removes kings, removeth kings, and sets up kings. Do we know who God has planned to be the president of the United States in 2021 and further? Yes, I'm convinced that he knows. And he is going to set up or remove according to his plan. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. I'm planning to vote. But my voting is going to be with prayers and supplication. My voting is going to be looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. My voting is going to be as a stranger and pilgrim passing through this land, recognizing that God is sovereign. And my job is to trust Him and obey until He comes. May God bless you as we anticipate day by day Jesus coming, God's will being fulfilled. May we all be found faithful for the glory of God. God bless you.